Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. To one degree or another, we all live by certain marks. Sometimes it is a birthmark, like the one I have on my cheek. Sometimes it is by those marks that our teachers put on our assignments in reference to what we got right and got wrong. Sometimes it is the mark that we uh, make upon an individual once we meet them and we leave either a positive or a negative impression upon them. And I have a list of those things that can help you leave a good impression on the person you are meeting or speaking with and there's about 15. They're not listed in any sense of order. But these are things that can help you and me to leave a good impression, a good mark on the people we are speaking with, um, having a conversation with. And you'll see that in order to do the right thing, sometimes it's about focusing on the other person instead of on yourself. Right, so in order to leave a good mark, right, you need to give your undivided attention as you are speaking to a person. Be a problem solver. Remember people's names, right? And, and so many of us, we go, oh, I got such a hard time remembering people's names, right? And it's like, well, maybe that's one of those things you can work on. Right? And, and again, it doesn't mean that you have to do all of these in order to leave a mark, right? but the more of them that you are able to exhibit, the more people are going to notice. Right? You can ask how you can help. You can set a high standard. Make your contribution greater than the reward. Lead with integrity, no matter how much it costs, and in the midst of your interaction, always smile. Compliment the person within the first 30 seconds of your conversation. Make people feel good about themselves, and that means you need to identify certain attributes that you can identify. Listen silently. In other words, don't put your two cents, right, when somebody is sharing maybe their heart with you. Always make eye contact, right? Show respect, share the credit, and talk with people, not at them, right? So th these are just things that you and I know in reference of how to leave a good impression, how to leave your mark, where when you walk away from those conversations, somebody would say, oh, let me tell you about so-and-so that I just met. But as much as we 
can leave a mark in reference to how we interact with people. In God's word, it would convey that if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that the world, looking upon your life, should see certain marks, certain things that reflect your relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we've been going through the first letter of John, we learned last week, right, that if you know know who Christ is, then certain things are going to be part of your walk as a Christian. Last week it was about obedience, morality, choosing what's right, even though sometimes it might be difficult. Remember I said that there is a test that John is laying out, three tests. Last week it was in reference of moral obedience. This week is the test of love. Next week we're going to be looking at... um, the test of truth in reference to doctrine. So let me ask this question. If people were to interact with you, would they see you as somebody who's walking with Christ? Right? And and in other words, or, or would you be one of the guys as the world? So that's really what we're digging down into. In other words, does the world see you as somebody being transformed by the gift of Jesus Christ in your life? And remember, John is communicating to the church of Ephesus, and there are some people in the church that are trying to lead the congregation astray, and, and John has taken the position, you know what, I love them too. I just don't want them out. I want them to hear the truth. Right, so he starts off by saying, my beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Right, so John is communicating that there is a commandment from the very beginning that you've heard. It, it is a commandment that, that I don't have to remind you of, but it's a commandment that's ingrained into the community of believers. Right, and... And, and, and for us, being removed from that specific time period, we might say, well, what commandment is that? Right? And for some of us, we might think of, well, it might be the one that Jesus reiterated in the gospel, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? But the way it was said in Deuteronomy, it was just in reference to your heart, soul, and mind. Jesus added strength. 
And then if we look to Leviticus, it would say, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And, and it just so happened that I had these posters made not knowing that I was going to be preaching on this. Right? And it's just how, I guess, God works in all, in all of this. Right? And so he is communicating, you are supposed to love. And here's the thing. Within the community of believers, they knew that. They knew that they needed to love, but usually that love only consisted within the immediate family or the nation of Judaism as a whole. And anybody who was a sinner was excluded from receiving that love. You were outcast. And then the Gentiles, their point of view is God created the Gentiles for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's for hell. Right? That, like that was their mindset. Right? So John says, that commandment, you know, that commandment is in place. Right? But when Jesus steps into the picture, he elevates everything to a whole new level. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Right? All of a sudden, in Jesus, he's doing something new. Something that is much different than what's been done already. Right? Because a lot of times you and I can sometimes behave like the old Jewish Orthodox. In, in other words, I love God. I love God. Don't you love God? I love God. Right? And, and what Jesus would say is, in order to love God, you have to show love. You have to act out love. You have to live out love. And sometimes to love in that way is hard, right? It's, it's hard to love your brother and sister when they hurt you, especially when they're in the church. And, and you have to have that conversation with them, and it's a difficult conversation. And you, so, so what happens is, you know what? I'm just not going to come to services this morning because I, I just can't deal with that, right? And then you might find yourself going to one of the other branch locations, right? Because, hey, I'm still part of Goodwill Church. I'm just not going to deal with that issue, right? Because it just gets in the way of me being with God, Right? But what is this new commandment, right? Is it the one that Jesus reiterated? And he said, to love your neighbor as yourself. Is, is, is that the one that John is referencing here? Right, and, and I would bring your attention, right? Just as Jesus was getting to celebrate in preparation of the Last Supper, the Passover, the Seder. 
and Jesus would get up and he would wash his disciples' feet, right? And, and just as he finishes washing the disciples' feet and as they start to eat the meal, eventually Judas would leave. And as Judas leaves, Jesus would say these words in the Gospel of John. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one another. Right? So what, what's Jesus saying here that's different than what we had in reference to the old commandment? Right? And, and, and in other words, that I need to love one another just as he has loved me. Like, well, how has he loved me? What has he done for me? What has he provided for me? What he has he given me access to? Right? Because all of those things, if I live out those things, are marks of me being a Christian, of me living this life that God has called me to. To love to love in a way that he loved, to, to pour out yourself in a way that sometimes it's painful to you because it's costly. You also are to love one another, right? So he's not suggesting this, right? And as Greg said earlier, right, we as Americans, we have a problem with people telling us what we need to do. It's like, really? It's like, I'll think about that, right? Because we feel as if our rights are being infringed upon, right? And, and the thing is, as believers, right, um, Jesus dismantles your rights as Americans, right? Because he, he says, if you are mine, we're under a new kingdom. We're under a new reign, as a matter of fact, let me remind you that your post office box is in heaven. This is temporary, so be careful what you fight for, right? And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, right? That you are my believers, that you are my devoted ones, that you are the ones who are following me, right? And it's a reminder, right, of what Jesus said at the end of Matthew, right? Go teaching them all that I commanded you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in order to baptize them. But then he says, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth, right? He doesn't say keep it here within the Jewish population. He says go beyond and show love, So then as I started thinking about this, right, I asked myself, so, so what is it that Jesus did that I need to try to replicate, right? And, and, and I see three things that he did, right? In Jesus, love became a new in, in extent to its ability to reach people, right? So again, it's, the, 
The Jewish population back then believed that love was only for the immediate family or the nation as a whole. And also in Jesus, it extended beyond that. It extended to the Gentiles. It extended to the fact that we're sitting here receiving the very gift that Jesus gave us of love. The next one is the length to which it goes. And in order to understand that, you have to really look to the cross and then ask yourself, well, what did God give in reference to the length of his love so that we would have his love, right? Because again, it's, it's something different that he's doing and showing love. To the point that Jesus would be upon the cross and say, my God, my God, why have you forgiven, forsaken me, right? So all of a sudden, there is a sense of something happening in the relationship between God the Father and Jesus that the cross created in reference to sin. That Jesus himself and only Jesus can go to that length. And then God would say to you and to me, to what length are you willing to love compared to how I loved you? And then the last one is to the degree. To what degree does all of this go to? And we have to look at one word in the verse that we had just read earlier to really understand what he means by degree, right? At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true, true, right? And that word in the Greek really means genuine, right? Genuine. So as you are in Christ and Christ is in you, how genuine is your walk. And in other words, how drastically different are you living your life that when people see you, they go, there's something so different about them. They came to my house and they had a plate of food, they cleaned my house, they did the yard work, and I didn't even ask for it, but they just came and showed up, and they didn't want anything in return. Genuine. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining, right? So, so Christ is here, and if you have received Christ, then that light is shining in and through you, right? But remember, John's letter is really for those in the church in relationship with those in the church, right? I mean, sometimes the hardest people to have relationship is people in the church, right? And... You know, sometimes there's those individuals that need that little extra grace, right? And, 
and, and, and they're always knocking at the door because they're, they're, they're always a crisis in their life. And sometimes you feel as if, I don't have enough to give. Oh, there they are again. There they are. Maybe somebody else will talk to them. Lord, please. <laughs> right? But it's all about love. And let me just say this, right? That up to right now, in these verses, even though we're talking about love, John has not spoken about love yet. Right? So, so there's something that the first readers who received this letter, they knew what he was implying. Just like we know right now what he was talking about. Now the next three verses... Is almost like a sandwich. He starts off with a negative, then he, the middle is a positive, and then he ends with a negative. Right? It's like a sandwich. So what he wants you to focus on is in the middle. Right? That's the most important thing. Right? So here we go. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness, right? It's like, can't be any simpler than what John is saying. Like, like sometimes people will look at me after reading a verse like this and go, well, I wonder what the word whoever meant, and they want to do a word study. It's like, stop, simple, right? Whoever says he is in the light, in other words, in relationship with Jesus Christ and hates his fellow believing brother, hates him, he's still in the darkness, Right. In other words, Jesus is saying, you need to be able to do something to resolve that issue. Right? Because there were many that were in the church back then, right? especially the Gnostics, right? and they thought that they were better than everybody else to the point that they didn't want to have fellowship. And guess what? You can't be a believer in Jesus Christ and exclude fellowship. Right? That's why we make it an effort to have fellowship at least once a month, to come together, to share a meal, to have a conversation. Hey, so what's going on? And here's the middle. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him. There is no cause for stumbling. Right? So whoever is in relationship with Christ abiding, right? In other words, you are hanging in there. You are in relationship, right? That that means that you are trusting God for everything you need in order to make this relationship right. There's no cause for stumbling. You know, every week we recite, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? He's not saying... Um, if you feel like it, you can do that, right? He says, no, this is a command, that if you are in relationship with me, you need to go out of your way and take care of these things. And, and, And here's the thing, sometimes we don't know what's the problem. Sometimes we need to discover what the issue is before we can take care of the things that we need. But you need to become willing, right? You need to become willing. And then here's the final slice of bread. 
But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. Right? So there's three consequences to this last statement. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness, right? So that is a state of darkness. And in other words, every decision you are making is in darkness. In other words, you don't have the tools you need in order to get out of the darkness. Your best thinking keeps getting you into trouble. You can't figure this one out. You can't weasel your way, right? And he adds this element of walking, right? And, 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 and in other words, it's something that is fully engulfed the individual. That you walk in darkness. The second consequence is, and does not know where he is going, right? It's amazing that you're walking, but you have no clue where you're going. Right? Because the darkness has just totally blinded you. And you can't see. Right? And, and in other words, it's you th- here's the thing, right? Your eyes are wide open. You think you see what you see, but you don't see. Right? You're, you're blinded to the reality of what God has for you. And God, through this letter that John is writing, would say, this is the mark of a believer. This is a test of love. And in other words, are you one who's willing to go outside of yourself to extend love to your brother and sister? Right? And and as I thought and prayed about, well, well what's, what's one of the ways that we struggle with in showing love, right? And, and I'm only going to focus on one, right? And it has to do with us saying we're sorry, right? Like, ask yourself, is that easy? It's like, is, is that easy to do? I mean, yeah, I could think about it and go, no, it's pretty easy. I mean, there was a time in my life where sorry was something that just came out of my mouth, but it was so that I could move beyond whatever the problem was, right? So I used to identify myself as a sorry individual because I was sorry about everything. Sorry, 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 right? But I believe that when we say sorry, right, sorry is connected to what Scripture would teach us in reference of repentance, right? In other words, knowing why I'm saying I'm sorry and then making a conscious effort to make a 180-degree turn and go the other way, to live a different life, right? And, And sometimes we don't know how to do that. We need help with that. But it starts by saying, you know what? I need you to hear me say these words. I'm really sorry that I hurt you. And not expect the response that you think you should get back. 
Because sometimes we don't get the response that we think we should get. Right? So all of a sudden, what, if somebody starts yelling at us, then what are you gonna do? I'm taking my sorry back. <laughs> right? No, it's, right, if you hurt somebody, they have a right to their feelings and, and, and be able to express those to you. Right? Connected to sorry sometimes is extending forgiveness to somebody who has hurt you even when they haven't even identified it or said sorry to you first, right? And as a Christian, God calls us to extend ourselves beyond our comfort zone and be able to do that, right? To offer forgiveness. To say to somebody, you know what, would you did or what I received from you the other day, I have to tell you, really hurt me. And, and here's the thing, right? That forgiveness is not conditioned upon them acknowledging or having a word for you. Right? In other words, all of these things that I'm talking about has to do with your relationship with God. And you're saying, Lord, I'm going to leave the results to you. Right. And the last one is, right, it's going to be costly, right? Because love is costly, right? Anytime you either say you're sorry, you offer forgiveness, it's going to hurt, right? It's going to hurt. Like, I remember when I was a kid, right, and, and my brother took one of my toys, and I told him, don't play with my toy, don't play with my toy. You're going to break it, right? An hour later, he comes back, and it's in pieces, right? And he says, I'm sorry. You were right. I shouldn't have played with it, right? Now, for me to forgive him, it doesn't fix my toy. It's going to cost me, right? And that's what it is when we say that we want to be in relationship with each other, Right? That sometimes, right, because he, here's, here's what we sometimes say. They're Christians. They should know better. Really? Really? They should know better? Right? For, for that expectation to happen, that means that you would have to live to that expectation. Right? And these are only in reference of offering extending, receiving the very thing that God has extended to us. And John would say that if you live this way in relationship to your brother or sister, you have the mark of Christ on you. Now, he doesn't say you have to live it perfectly, right? And nowhere in these verses does it say you have to live this perfectly. It is the willingness to want to. Especially when God makes it apparent. Remember the verse I quoted last week from Matthew with Jesus, right? And he and it's in reference to anger and hating your brother. 
And he would say, and if you're offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Right? All of that is to say, right, if you are seeking forgiveness from God and you want to be reconciled to God, but you acknowledge that there is a broken relationship Take care of that first. Take care of that first. And if you take care of that first, here's what's going to happen. God's going to meet you right where you're at. Right? It's costly. Right? It's, it's, it's going to hurt. And here's the thing, right? And so when it, it hurts, it's your job not to ever bring it back up. In other words, you offer forgiveness, you say you're sorry, and then two weeks later, remember when you did that to me? Wait, I, I thought it had been reconciled. I thought it had been taken care of. Why are you bringing it back up? And, and here's what I'm going to say, right? If you bring it back up, it's because it's not resolved. And that issue is between you and God. And when I say it's between you and God, see that as a good thing. In other words, God has not abandoned you, right? God is with you. God is saying, we need to take care of this. And by this mark, they will know that we are Christian by our love, by how we respond, by how we live our lives, right? Like, ask yourself, do the people around you know that you're a Christian, right? I know for most of us, most of the relationships that we find ourselves, people know that we're believers, right? The funniest place where people have a hard time with me is always at a wedding, right? And, and in other words, they're okay with me presiding over the wedding. They're okay with me um, doing the prayer, right? But then the question is, hey, so you're going to stay for dinner? Right? Because it's, there's a sense that they can't behave the way they want to behave with a pastor present, right? And, and, and I go, yeah, I'm coming, I want to see how you guys behave. <laughs> right? But, but there's always that tension. Right? There's always that tension. There's a men's retreat that happens every once in a while out of Montgomery. Right? And, and the other day I said to one of the guys, hey, so when am you going to invite me to one of your retreats? Right? And, and here's what they say to me. So, are you going to come as a pastor, or are you going to come as Jose, right? I said, well, I don't think I could ever stop being a pastor, right? And, but, but I'm going to be me, right? And, right? and that's happening in Christian circles that they're asking me, right? So, there will be that same tension in your life 
as you relate with those, right? Why? Because not everybody's at the same place, right? We're all growing day by day closer to Christ. We're all dealing with our sin life every single day. And our sin life will be with us until this flesh is taken to glory. But as we live this life, will those around us, even when we mess up, know that we are Christians by Allah? Would you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful to the extent, the length, or the depth that you showed your love to us. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to live to the calling that you've placed upon our lives. Lord, let us live our relationship out with you into this world as we love. We thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.